1: Kobe in the fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts coming at you Wednesday night after the Timberwolves knocked off the Oklahoma City Thunder at Target Center 98 to 90 if you only watched the first quarter of this game you'd be pretty surprised with that final score I think I guess if you watch the whole game you're still pretty surprised by that final score just given how the Wolves started this game they started with their full complement of players they had all of their players out of COVID protocols for the first time since December 15th. And they really played like it to start the the starting five of Pat, Bev, D'Lo, Ant, Vando, and Kat. That group that has the crazy net rating of like 50 over the course of the season. They were back cooking early. Uh, they played like a group to start the game that crushes teams when all five of them are the, are on the floor together. Uh, those five were on the floor together for the first You know, six and a half minutes of the game like they normally are. And when they started subbing out players, the score was 20 to eight. And then by the end of the first quarter, it was 30 to 10. Like the Wolves were that dominant team. The Thunder turned the ball over as many times as they scored points in that first quarter, 10. And it was the the typical pattern of how the Wolves starting lineup find success. They create turnovers that lead easy buckets that bring up the energy. And then they kind of ride that energy. In the first, Ant had nine points, and he had four steals. Pat Bev made two threes. Cat had five points, five boards. Vando had a steal, an offensive rebound. Actually, I had two kind of nifty assists. And Dilo added four points, too. It was the type of energy and result that typically kind of inspires a blowout. But as Chris Finch said after the game, I, I think it was, he said, quote, I think it was one of those typical games where you start well and lose focus, and then when you lose focus, you lose intensity and purpose. And that's what happened. That is totally what happened. The Thunder were the more aggressive team almost the entirety of the rest of the night. Halfway through the second quarter, again, after they were down 30 to 10 after one, the Thunder had cut that 20-point deficit down to eight. And by the fourth quarter, they'd cut it all the way down to one. I mean, yes, the Wolves prevailed the game. They won. But it, it was one of those underwhelming squeeze away with a win wins. Here's what Anthony Edwards had to say about it after the
2: game. Anthony obviously came back. I think they're down 21. and it closed it down to 1. But you guys responded. Um, you've done that a few times this year. What does that say about this group that, you know, it can be difficult when he bowl leads, but to be able to not panic and respond like that, what does it say about you guys? Man, we played bad today. Yeah. That was <laughs> it. Yeah, It's all good, though. We came out with the win. That's how it matters. What a uh, what do you think happened after that first quarter oh, where things kind of fell off quite a bit? Man, we just couldn't get a rebound. I think that was the only thing. Like It ain't like they start hitting threes.
3: They didn't – I mean, they get some 3s supposed to hit some. We just couldn't get no rebounds. They would just get rebounds, dumping it off, layup, layup, layup. That's all that was going on for real.
1: Ant did follow up those comments later by asserting confidence, as he kind of always does. Uh, when I asked him about this sort of new chapter of the season that they're entering – And just kind of getting back on track, he bluntly said, We are going to make the playoffs. And it's funny, kind of throughout the game, I I found myself thinking about Ant a lot. Uh, You would think in the return of Cat and Dilo, you'd be like, Oh, Cat and Dilo are back. Like, what is this going to look like? But I think I kind of realized tonight that I'm at the point where I think I know what Cat and Dilo are. Like, yes, they can both probably level up a bit offensively, Cat, you know, by handling those double teams a little bit better and D'Lo just by getting back to his normal shooting averages. So Ant's kind of the wild card, right? There was this, entering the season, There's this sort of maybe naive hope that Ant would take another leap to start this year on top of what he did at the end of last season. And it, it hasn't been the leap. Like, there have been flashes, as you know, but overall, I think it's fair to say it's kind of felt like the second half of last season, which got me thinking tonight about how it was at this point of last year where Ant did turn a corner. You know, a lot of people attribute, you know, Ant's success post All Star break to Ryan Saunders getting fired and Ant kind of getting a boost from Finch's offense. But I, I think a lot of Ant's post all star jump last year was about him kind of slowly brewing in the first half of the year. Like you remember he wasn't even starting at the beginning. He was kind of bubbling up over the first 40 games of the year. And so here we are, 38 games into this season, and I I guess that's what I wonder about Ant. I wonder if he's brewing for something here, and I really don't know the answer. And I think that's why thinking about Ant feels different than Cat and D'Lo. There's this more unknown factor about him, maybe unknown potential, but also maybe not. Like maybe this sophomore season will kind of be what it has been, which... You know, to be clear, it's not like Ant's having a bad year. He's averaging 22, 5.5 boards, 3.5 assists. Last year, after the All-Star break, he averaged 24, 5.5, and 3.5. And And it's pretty much the same shooting. This year, he's 36% from three. Last year, post-All-Star, he was 35% from three. This year, to start the year, he's 51% from two. Last year, post-All-Star, he was 54% from two. Which, if you look at the advanced true shooting, like, it was up a little bit at the end of last year compared to this year. But really, those are the same stats, which isn't to say we're, we're not seeing development from Ant. It's it's not that he hasn't improved in ways, but you just wonder if he again will turn that corner. And you wonder if he does, what what will that look like? And then if he does, what will that impact have on this team winning going forward? That's what I asked Ant about after the game tonight.
2: And you guys are coming up on a an important stretch here. Last season for you was kind of around the, the halfway mark of the year, where your game kind of stepped up to another level. Um, one is that something that you feel that you can can bring here, and and two, um, how valuable how valuable would that be to this team that is around five hundred this year in a different spot than it was a year ago?
3: Uh, it it mean much more this
2: year uh, because, like you said,
3: we're around five hundred. Um, we're going to the playoffs, so it's gonna mean a lot this year, and like I said, it's we got everybody back now, so all the excuses are out of the window of why we lost this game. So, I mean, I think we're gonna go on a run right here, get these next five or six.
2: Is that where that, that confidence that you're gonna be a playoff team comes from? Is, is having the, the full group together, yeah, for sure. I mean, because it's hard to judge us when we don't have d
3: or we don't got Cat or we don't got both or I'm out or PB out because you're missing one of the starters, you know what I'm saying? But we got everybody. and no excuses. You got us at full strength, and
2: I feel like we're a hard team to beat. The ninth for the group does play bad. How much do you hear about it from PB? PB? Yeah. I see my like you ears yonder. You guys quite a bit, like, in the fourth quarter. <laughs> I mean, he's loud, man. You're going to hear him regardless, like playing bad or good. You know what I'm saying? He's the same person every day, so He's needed on the team for sure. What does it mean for you to have Russell and Cat back on the floor and just knowing that you're going to have them going forward now? Um, it's very
3: important uh, for us. And I think it's in, it's super important for me because teams can't double me anymore. You know what I'm saying? Because I got Cat I got d <laughs> Now you Now I'm saying I can play off the ball a lot more. Um, but now it's fun when everybody back, man, it's like, it's just fun. I've like, got the whole team. I want to see everybody succeed and I'm just
2: happy to be back together. What was that like when you were getting doubled consistently? Yeah. <laughs> for Sure. I mean, just cause like, you
3: can't really get what you want out of it. Like especially if you're not used to it. You know what I'm saying? So it was miserable.
1: I think the case for Ant making that turn is about him being put in fewer miserable spots. The biggest thing that drives down his efficiency or his effectiveness, outside of you know his occasional like twenty-year-old aloofness, is that when he is put in miserable spots, he often doesn't make great choices. Right when he's getting doubled, he doesn't appropriately adapt, and that boosts his turnovers. That drives down his shooting effectiveness. So I think with Cat and Dilo back, even if we kind of know who they are—the same guys that Ant has played with for most of the season—what? can still happen is that they can help Ant play in better spots. They can help him kind of expedite that turn that I think we all believe is eventually coming. I mean, one way or another, Ant is going to make this jump over the next few years. But I think the optimistic question to ask is, you know, can he make it in the next few months? Or can he at least start turning? I think for the Wolves to be a playoff team, like legit in the real playoffs, like Ant said, that turn probably has to start happening this season. I wouldn't say Cat and DeLo brought that help tonight, you know, which is somewhat understandable with this being both of their first games out of the protocols. But you know, Cat only had 17; he wasn't his normal offensive force, and DeLo really struggled. DeLo shot three of 12 from the field overall; and he missed all five of his threes. He also had three turnovers and just finished the night with only six points, which was his lowest scoring game of the season other than that one Orlando game where he got hurt in the first half. So yeah, D'Lo wasn't his normal self. Like, often this year, right? He leads the team in plus-minus tonight. All the other starters were plus-16 or higher. When Dila was out there, he was only plus-one. So without those two on their games, right, for the Wolves to win tonight, it wasn't just about Ant. Surviving this win was about help from other places as well.
4: you won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: All right, we are back discussing the Timberwolves' eight-point win over the Oklahoma City Thunder on Wednesday night. Before the break, uh, we we were talking about how Cat and Dilo were not were Not not that they had, I wouldn't say terrible games. Cat didn't have a terrible game, for sure, but neither of them was able to give what they had been giving before they entered the protocols and because of that to win they needed support from elsewhere and that support largely came from where they had been getting support while Cat and Dela were out from Jane McDaniels and from Jalen Noel. I want to focus on the Jalen Noel part of it because it was I think it was interesting on a, on a number of levels. Obviously, we've talked about Noel a lot, but this was this was in a different context. I, I came into this game like not sure what we were going to get from Noel tonight. Just because they're back at full strength. We kind of knew that Noel would for sure be would he be back in a deeper bench sort of role. Noel had been awesome recently over the past five games coming into tonight. He'd been averaging 15 a game over that stretch. But over the course of those five games, kind of precipitously, his production had started to dip. Game by game, as guys like Ant and Beverly and Vanderbilt all kind of trickled back into the lineup. So I wondered with with Noel tonight if that pattern would kind of hold, if he would kind of have a quieter sort of game. Clearly, that uh, thought was misguided. Noel had 16 points and he literally did not miss a shot tonight. He was six of six from the field. He also played the entire fourth quarter of the game, and I think that might be the part of this that people latch onto. Um, uh, for because for Noel to close the game, that means Dilo got benched in the fourth quarter. Phil played the first four and a half minutes of the fourth, and then he did not come back in like he normally does. And I actually don't think that's the right place to go with this in your head when thinking about Noel tonight. I like I was just saying, I'm I'm kind of willing to give Dilo a pass, on what was not a a good game from him tonight. You know, based on this being his first game back, but also just based on the precedent that Dilo has set. You know, before he got COVID of being a player that was clearly driving winning. I kind of go the other way with it. I think Noel's output tonight was encouraging in that it showed he can play alongside the full-strength Wolves. Like, we haven't we haven't seen him play with this group a lot. Like, yes, Dilo wasn't out there to close the game with Noel, but the other four starters were. And I thought he not only fit in, but kind of opened things up for that group. My favorite bit of, things opening up was how noel relieves stress from cat who's consistently being doubled in the post like he always is. You know, as we've talked about at length on here this year, like cat cat getting doubled in the post has been the wolves biggest offensive bugaboo this season. That's why they're not good in the half court. The only way they've ever been able to kind of solve it is by cat once the double comes is by cat kicking it out to shooters for skip pass threes or sometimes the occasional cut off of that. But the Wolves have not made those threes on the skip passes at a high rate this season, and the pursuit of those cutters has oftentimes led to Cat turning the ball over. What I liked about Noel being out there was that Cat could skip it to him when he was doubled and that Noel is a multi-level threat off the catch, right? When Noel catches it on those skips, he can not only shoot it, but he can attack the scrambling defense when they tried to close out on him. He is a he is a, a player who can attack a closeout and get all the way to the rim. And there was really one time this stood out to me at the end of the game and what I thought was a was just a really critical play for the Wolves to be able to win this. I asked Noel about the play after tonight's game.
2: Talking about watching film, something this team has struggled with this year is when Cat gets doubled in the post, and you guys got to kind of play off of that. There's that one play in the fourth quarter night. Cat skips it to you. You attack the basket for the end one. What did you just kind of seen with that action? You know, before you in the rotation, and, and how do you feel like you could be part of the solution to that problem? Well, that play right there is, I think, how it could be a solution to that problem. Um, and, I, and I
3: knew he was going to get to me because, um, you know, I, I saw the guy in front of me, uh, my teammate, he cut. So once he cut, my dude came over to help. So once I was wide open, I knew he was going to get to me. All It was just a matter of if, it was gonna, if I was going to shoot it or um, attack the rim.
2: And I decided to attack the rim and got through the hardwood. The old-fashioned way. The old-fashioned way. Um, what do you – what prefer you guys as a group when when Cat is your primary scorer and, and these teams are, again, tonight, you know, they got to put the small on them, they're bringing the double. Like, how – I don't know. It, has that been, gotten frustrating at all over the course of the year where that has just kind of been the thing that slowed you guys down? I mean, yeah, of course it's going to get frustrating. Uh, if, if it takes a uh, more time than you wanted to
3: to, you know, figure that out, It's been definitely frustrating, but I think we're getting to that point where, um, you know, he's making the right plays uh, out of that double, and um, you know we're just executing.
1: I've really been hesitant to bury Malik Beasley this year, um, on what has clearly been a season where he hasn't played up to his previous level. Um, I I wasn't naive to the fact that, you know, Malik wasn't making shots. Like yeah, before he wasn't. I, I could tell he wasn't the player that he was a season ago. But my logic in not wanting to bury him was that. It, it, it was largely driven by what we were just talking about. Like the cat doubles had big been the biggest problem for this Wolves offense. And what we had seen was that the best way to solve that was just to, you know, make threes around it. And that felt like the best solution. You know, Beasley shooting 40% from three last year on high volume made him the logical answer or the logical, logical thing to kind of plug in. If that was the solution. But tonight, you know, seeing Noel do what he did really opened up my eyes to the idea that just shooting around Cat isn't necessarily going to be the answer. It doesn't have to be. I I still think that, like, if Cat threw 50 skip passes across the way to Beasley and if he threw 50 skip passes across the way to Noel, like, I think Beasley probably makes more of those. But that but if Noel can provide something more off the catch in those situations where he can't just shoot it right away or if he just finds a lane to slash into, I mean, at then his value not only catches Beasley's shooting value, but it probably exceeds it. And to that end, he should probably be playing more than Beasley in those spots. I'm also saying this after Beasley had his worst game of the season. He missed all seven of the threes he took tonight. But We're also halfway through the year here, and so maybe we're at the point where it's just naive to think that that high volume 40% shooter guy is coming back from Malik Beasley. I don't know how exactly if you kind of boost Noel more, how exactly Beasley's role would change. Um, It would probably mean he's with the bench unit a little bit more, which might be problematic for that group, particularly on defense. But we're kind of running out of solutions for Beasley here, right? Like I'm definitely not suggesting that they cut Beasley out of the rotation altogether. Like, Beasley and Noel, they don't even really play the same position. They they can coexist in the rotation. But at the same time, if we're peeling back Beasley a little bit, I mean, it was already a bit funky that Beasley was the third highest player on this team and only playing like 25 minutes a night. Sliding him back another notch in the pecking order makes that contract he's on even less valuable. Still, I just think we're at the This team's trying to compete. Like, We're at the point where Noel just seems to deserve run in an extended, bigger role. Beasley's a place where you can tweak your rotation so as to make that happen. I think Noel earned this over the COVID stretch, the opportunity, and I think he began to kind of confirm that he earned it tonight. The Forgotten Star of the Game has kind of become the Jalen Noel Award over the past few weeks. And again, he's the Forgotten Star of tonight's game, uh, presented by Forgotten Star Brewery in Fridley. I know I haven't really gotten the chance uh, tonight to talk about Patrick Beverly or Jared Vanderbilt, who I think played a big role in kind of bringing that fire back in the fourth quarter that was gone in the second and the third. Um, but Britt loves those guys, so we'll we'll save talking about Beverly and Vanderbilt tomorrow for, for Britt when he's on. So we'll wrap tonight on my prize picks, which I stunk it up at. Again, uh, I, I really thought this matchup tonight was just tailor-made for Cap to be able to kind of go off. I I know he was coming out of protocols. I thought the lines, you know, accounted for that. And I just believed it would be a bigger night. Uh, I, I still thought he'd have over 22 and a half points and that he, given the very limited OKC front court, like I thought Cat would make more than five free throws as well. Neither of those picks came in. Cat only had 17 and he missed his fifth free throw of the night. So he only finished with four makes. I also knew I really wanted to take an over on Josh Giddy, who has just been playing awesome lately for them. Tonight, Giddy was, again, very good, finishing with 14 points, 15 rebounds, and six assists. Unfortunately, it was the assists that I took, and the over-under there was at six and a half, so I missed that one as well. Um, I do have to say that I thought Jared Vanderbilt did an awesome job on Giddy tonight. He was denying Giddy the ball from the start of the game, and that really threw off. OKC's offense during their slow start to the game. Vando is just kind of becoming that dude who can really check all big wings. It's kind of, it reminds me of that guy that every team in the Western Conference is always trying to trade for at the trade deadline so they can put them on LeBron or on Kawhi in the playoffs. My last pick was the under on seven made free throws for Shea Gildas Alexander. SGA finished with seven makes, so I tied on that one Not a complete 0 for 4 night for me. Saved it with a tie which means it was 0-3-1 tonight, which means I'm 0-7-1 over these last two games in my prize picks, which has brought me down to exactly 500 on the season. I'm now 68, 68, and 5. If you want to prove you're better at these than I am, you're probably right. Uh, you can try your hand at Prize Picks by downloading the Prize Picks app. They will also give you a $100 sign-up bonus. If you create an account using the promo code Dane when you sign up, you won't be able to miss where to throw that promo code in when you are Creating that account on Prize Picks. All right, that is all I've got for you tonight. The Wolves are now 18 and 20 after this win, and I think they have three winnable games ahead of them, albeit all on the road. They're at OKC on Friday night, then off to Houston, and off to New Orleans from there. Um, I'll discuss that upcoming stretch with Britt when we record Thursday afternoon. You can look for that episode in your feed sometime on Thursday evening kind of just feels good to have a Wolves team that is back at full strength and just kind of makes a little bit more sense. We can start kind of piecing things together. We'll see where they take this over the course of the next week. I will talk to you all with Britt tomorrow. Until then, I'm Dane.
4: Peace out. How
3: I'm feeling,